Chapter Eight of the Great Pearl Secret. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Elaine Conway, England. The Great Pearl Secret by Charles Norris Williamson. Chapter Eight Juliet Breaks the Seals. At six forty two, the Duchess of Claremanagh descended from a plebeian taxicab in front of her pretentious home. She had sent away her own car before going to the lawn, and although there was no wrong in her secret, she was weighed down by a sense of guilt as she went to her room this annoyed her because did she know that the story about monsieur mayon was not a fake it was quite possible that pavoya had had the pearls for months and had only now given them up under cover of mayon's name and his messenger on the britannia juliet felt as emmy west had expected her to feel she hated the pearls whatever the truth was she could take no pleasure in wearing them all the same she would wear them to show curiosity mongers that they were not in lydia pavoya's hands she would wear them this very night she and Claire Manor were engaged to dine at the Van Estens, and he had insisted in the morning that he would be well enough to go. Now, for all she could tell, he might have changed his mind and phoned that his cold would keep him at home. That excuse should not affect her, however. If he did not bring or send the pearls to her room, simone should take him a note in this juliet would say not that jack had told her but that she supposed the messenger had arrived and she would ask for the pearls to wear at nancy's dinner party ask for them not as a favour but because of the right she had as duchess of claremanagh madame is very late were simone's first words as juliet flung open her bedroom door i began to be anxious juliet glanced at her wrist-watch at a french clock of the mantel it was true she was late she had a new gown which there had been no time to try and dinner was at eight the girl's nerves tensely strained all day began to get out of control she was jumpy and cross as simone unfastened the many little hidden hooks and tiny lace buttonholes of the dawn-cloud dress simone's hands were cold as ice she complained she hoped simone wasn't sickening for something then it seemed that the quaint grey hat had spoiled her hair which usually remained in perfect order throughout the day it had to be let down and being immensely long and thick would take twenty minutes to arrange 
Never, never had Simone been so awkward. Her fingers were all thumbs. For a few moments, in her need of haste and her nervous agitation, Juliet forgot the crying question of the pearls. For a knock at the door, which separated Pat's room from hers, set every pulse a-throb. He had come of his own accord. The blood rushed to her cheeks, and as she turned to the opening door, she looked gloriously beautiful. Her eyes met Clermanus with a desperate appeal of a loving, tortured soul, and he was disarmed. Could you let Simone go for a few minutes? he asked. I should ask to speak to you alone. A few seconds ago, Juliet had been fuming because every instant counted. But suddenly, time ceased to be of importance. She didn't care how late she might be for Nancy's dinner. She didn't care if she were too late to go at all. Simone, who knew that things were not as they should be, expected her mistress coldly to refuse the Duke. She was intensely surprised to be sent away and told not to return for fifteen minutes. Sensitively jealous, the maid resented being sent out of the room for ce traiteur, as she mentally called, Clermana. What a different scene there would be between husband and wife if she had portrayed to the Duchess a secret of the afternoon. To do so would satisfy her lover drama at a peak against the duke but simone knew too well which side her bread was buttered for one thing the duchess would not hear such a tale from a servant even her trusted maid the duke might be sent packing by a, the heiress but so would simone and for another thing there must be no possible suspicion when the whisperer of the inner circle whispered next as to where the whisper had started it would not do for simone to know that lida pavoya had called on the duke of clermanagh in his american wife's absence the instant the frenchwoman was out of the room pat came close to juliet he was dressed for dinner all but coat and waistcoat Juliet adored him thus, in his glittering white expanse of evening shirt. She had often told him so. You were not very kind to me this morning, he said, looking down at her, his face graver than she had ever seen it before this day. I may as well tell you I was a good deal hurt and angry too, though I haven't deserved too well of you, perhaps. But to see you as you are now makes me forget everything, except that we've been dear lovers, and that you're the most beautiful girl on earth. My girl. You look just as you looked that evening at Harridge's, a million miles away, in old London, the night before our wedding, when I came in suddenly, and you'd been washing your hair. Do you still hate your poor Romeo? Giulietta mia or do you feel like forgetting too and beginning all over again 
I never hated you, not for a minute, cried Juliet. I thought you hated me. Then you were jolly well mistaken, said Pat. They gazed at each other like two fences for a moment, then Juliet sprang up and held out her arms. He clasped her and kissed her hair, her face, her bare white neck, something he held out in his hand, out of her sight behind his back, fell to the floor. She started at the sound, and he let her go, laughing like his old self. History repeats, he exclaimed. Do you remember the little box I bought you with its blobby seals? Well, I have another sealed box for you tonight. You're to open, madame. Le plus belle chasse. Pour la plus belle dame. The pearls, Juliet breathed. The pearls, echoed Pat. The girl was thrilled. How could she have hated the things so angrily an hour ago? The whole mood concerning them and concerning life had changed under Pat's kisses. She was going to love his pearls for his sake and the sake of their own romance. Why, the seals haven't been broken, she exclaimed as she took the box. No, I was determined you and you alone should do the breaking. But didn't the messenger insist? He did. Two can play at that game, though. What about the receipt? I should have thought he'd object. Object is a mild word. I convinced him in the end, however, if not that I was right, anyhow, that I meant to have my own way. Darling, this is a happy moment for me, though I didn't expect to be happy tonight. Break the seals, open the box, and I shall know by your eyes what you think of its contents. With trembling fingers, Juliet obeyed. Each seal was so perfect, it seemed a shame to shatter the delicate eye in crimson wax. Laughing, she remarked that it was clear no thief had touched the box. Pat agreed and took from her the waterproof wrapping as she peeled it off. Within was a wooden box with a sliding lid, such as French jewellers use. Clermana had bought it himself at Mayen's request. He exclaimed to Juliet, and the seal, made also by his ring, which held the cover in place and had been pressed by his hand in the presence of his friend, the super-money-lender. "'By Jove! I'm proud of it!' he exclaimed. "'It's a work of art. I'd forgotten how good it was. The best seal I've ever done, and I've called myself an expert, a genie of the ring.' It needed a pair of scissors to loosen the wax from the wood. Then Juliet slipped off the lid and looked from the box something wrapped in a handkerchief of fine Irish linen. you find my monogram on that rag, said Pat, apparently enjoying himself. Mayan would make me wrap the case with the pearls in something that belonged to me. 
something that couldn't be copied easily by a thief my hair wasn't quite long enough to do up a parcel in and this was the only other thing we could think of while he gaily explained juliet slowly tantalizing herself and wound the linen folds so doing she smelt a faint fragrance of tobacco perhaps special tobacco which left its odour on all his clothes it had seemed exquisitely exciting to the girl when she was engaged to Claire Manor, and it was more so than ever tonight when they were having this heavenly reconciliation a reconciliation partly due to jack's advice and his defence of the duke but it was odd that the scent should have lasted all three months juliet exclaimed over this to pat but he counted for it by reminding her how closely the handkerchief had been shut up in the box at last she was looking at the jewel case which had once belonged to the loved sick tsarina it was of white velvet creamy now with age and stamped with crowns in gold pathetically and appropriately dimmed the catch was curious and beautiful a big cabochon ruby shaped like a heart juliet pushed it and lifted the satin lid there on the cushion lay the long rope of pearls curled up like a snake with a curious diamond clasp for its head the girl had expected to cry out in amazed admiration at sight of the wonderful thing clemanus you lamb she had expected to be literally dazzled but instead she suffered a shock of disappointment with all the will in the world to be pleased and grateful she was dumb she could think of nothing to say and she tingled with embarrassment under her husband's eyes well darling he said after a few seconds of waiting don't the poor pearls come up to your hopes oh yes she forced herself to answer aren't they big aren't they blue i never saw any so-called blue pearls so really blue as these all the same you're disappointed pat judged his eyes on her face don't you think by this time i know your tones and your expressions out with it jewel bless you i shan't be hurt i didn't make the pearls you know and you're a spoiled pet of fortune brought up from your babyhood to play with better toys than these could have had pearls as big as plums in a rope to your feet if you'd wanted em only your taste was too good what's the matter with these baubles why girl hesitated if i must say what i think you know i'm supposed to be a bit of an expert in my little amateur way it seems to me that these pearls aren't as lustrous as they ought to be perhaps they're sick they may need sea-water or something yet they haven't the symptoms of dying pearls they haven't lost their colour they've got almost too much to look real they're real enough of course they must be and the clasp is charming isn't it an eye made of a blue sapphire set in white diamonds rimmed with tiny black ones and i like the design of your seal except that this one looks to the right and to the right pat caught the words from her mouth impossible 
Juliet stared. But it does. You may see for yourself. Good God! There was horror in his voice. Juliet could not understand. This scene began to feel like a queer dream. What is the matter? she asked. Give me the thing. She handed him the rope. He glared at the clasp as if the diamond and sapphire eye were a miniature head of Medusa. Then he turned to her with a dazed expression, still in silence. You frighten me, she faltered. You, you say your pearls are always cold. False ones can be warmish. Besides, the surface feels different. And even if the weight is right, test these, Pat said. The girl took back the gleaming blue rope and lifted the largest pearls to her lips. They are false, she gasped after an instant's pause you are sure yes end of chapter eight